This is Full Disclosure with the Better Government Association. Each week, we check in with the BGA. David Grising is the president and CEO, and hoping we're hanging in there with David. We've uh, dropped the connection a time or two, but uh, we've got you here now. David, good morning. Hey, good morning. Sorry about the trouble. No, that's uh, that's okay. I just hope we uh, we hang on to here. We have a lot to talk about this morning, starting with uh, a story that is uh, you know really Cook County centric, but she has become uh, a symbol of a lot of political discussions over the last couple of years. The Cook County State's Attorney Kim Fox announcing yesterday she will not seek re-election, and when crime has been a major political issue in the state, a lot of Republicans trying to paint Democrats as being soft on crime, and Kim Fox has really been the poster child for those political arguments. So, David, what's the the backstory here about Kim Fox's time in office and why is she not seeking another term? Well, absolutely, Jim. And and this is relevant not just because of the Cook County aspect, but also this whole move toward bail reform, which is affecting every jurisdiction in the state, uh, is centered in part on Kim Fox's record as uh, state's attorney for Cook County. Uh, She's not seeking re-election. She said she promised her family she wouldn't serve more than two terms, but there's no doubt that she's been under heavy pressure, uh, deeply and regularly criticized by Chicago police. There's uh, talk on the street that Chicago police officers are relatively inactive, unwilling to make arrests that they used to make because they have no confidence that Kim Fox will actually prosecute the cases. Uh, People who are loyal to her and she herself would argue back that uh, the cops have not done a good job of bringing cases to her, that the cases that come are weak, that the policing that has been done has been uh, perhaps not following uh, constitutional principles. She has been critical of the lack of progress that police department have made on the uh, federal consent decree. So it's been quite a standoff. And what has suffered is a sense of security and public safety on the streets of the city of Chicago. You know, and uh, as is often the case in these situations, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle between those two points of view that uh, Kim Fox was not the unmitigated disaster her critics would claim, but neither has she been the uh, effective prosecutor that she and her supporters uh, would claim. And there have certainly been uh, stumbles along the way, the Jesse Smollett case being probably the biggest high profile example of that. Well, yes, the Jesse Smock case was the uh, Empire actor who was little known until he uh, it was found by a court that he faked a hate crime against himself. Uh, apparently, when he was in contract negotiations for renewal of his TV contract, this happened in early in January of 2019. And Kim Fox was shown to have had inappropriate communication with Smollett family members, as well as uh, having heard from uh, uh Um, chief of staff to Michelle Obama, Uh, we ended up with a special prosecutor looking into uh, the case, Dan Webb, who found substantial cause cause of um, improper uh, action on the part of Tim Fox's office in the handling of this matter. It was a mess all the way around. Uh, Smollett did end up uh, being found guilty of uh, lying to authorities, but Kim Fox ended up being tarred by her uh, uh, lack of discretion in this particular case as well. 
Well, we won't have Kim Fox to uh, to kick around anymore, but for the next four years, we may have the new Chicago mayor, Brandon Johnson, uh, to kick around. Last week on Full Disclosure, we were awaiting the mayor-elect speech to a joint session of the Illinois General Assembly. He's delivered that speech and gotten some instant reviews from friend and foe alike. So, David, give us your uh, sense of uh, mayor-elect Brandon Johnson. He's calling for legislative cooperation, saying that he and the General Assembly can work together, but we know that Brandon Johnson has some real issues, particularly revenue issues in Chicago, that he would love some help from Springfield to fill. Well, absolutely. And let's hope we're not kicking him around for four years. Let's hope we're cheering on success after success for the city of Chicago and state of Illinois. But he's got a lot of heavy lifting to do ahead of him. He's proposed $800 million in tax increases of various sorts. And in order to get those passed, he needs help from Springfield on several of them. He's proposed a transfer of uh, uh, tax on the sale of million dollar plus properties, which would raise a hundred million dollars for him. He needs Springfield's support in order to get that done. He's proposed a uh, financial transaction tax that Governor Pritzker himself has said he probably will not support. And that's the source for Brooke Johnson of another hundred million dollars he expects. He's also proposed a jet fuel tax for which he needs federal approval. Uh, so he's got a lot of big plans, but he needs to show an ability to get deals done in Springfield, which is one reason he was down there last week. Now, unlike Mayor Lori Lightfoot, who had no background with anybody in Springfield, uh, Johnson does. You know, he worked for uh, the Senate President Don Harmon. He worked has, has worked with members of the legislature in the past, and so he has a bit more of a background to start with uh, than the current mayor of Chicago has had. And he also uh, has a clean slate, whereas Lori Lightfoot by this point had burned a lot of bridges in Springfield and could get very little done. It's going to be really interesting to watch to see if uh, the new mayor can bring a new approach uh, to his dealings with the Illinois General Assembly and whether that'll pay dividends for him. So keeping a very close eye on that, we'll start to get some answers to that soon enough. We've got more to get to this morning on Full Disclosure. When we come back, we'll be talking about the uh, journalism arm of the BGA, the Illinois Answers Project. They've got a piece out about electric vehicles and their future here in Illinois. We'll discuss that next on Full Disclosure. Sunshine, 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 sunshine. Welcome back. Every Wednesday morning at this time, we check in with the Better Government Association to uh, get some insight into what government's doing and how well we're doing and keeping an eye on it all. A big part of the BGA's mission is, of course, journalism, enterprise journalism, investigative journalism through the Illinois Answers Project. You can go to that website right now to uh, read an in-depth piece on the future of electric vehicles here in Illinois. David, tell us what you found out. Well, right. Uh, There's a big push to get a million. Governor Britsker would like to see a million electric vehicles on the roads of Illinois by 2030. The trouble is that this is going to require a significant amount of money. Uh, Plans the governor has played out uh, would uh, amount to about $230 million of investment. People we talked to said it's the the actual need is going to be something like six hundred and seventy five million dollars. Most of this going into charging stations. The trouble is that uh, there just aren't enough places to charge electric vehicles on the roads of Illinois. Uh, People, consumers across the country want to buy electric vehicles. One study showed that uh, uh, most that forty one percent of people say their next 
vehicle per new vehicle purchase likely will be an electric vehicle. Uh, but there's without somewhere to charge these cars, uh, people are a little bit reluctant and it's going to uh, reduce demand and not and put Illinois at risk of not meeting the objectives that Governor Pritzker has laid out. Yeah, it's a little painful uh, every time you have to stop at the pump, even though prices are down somewhat from uh, from last summer. It's still rough, but it's also rough to think, OK, where am I going to go to find a place to plug this in for an hour or more or however long it takes to get your vehicle charged again? We have to get that infrastructure to uh, to match uh, the demand for those vehicles. Uh, and as you said that's not going to be an easy or a a cheap experience there uh david another issue that as we are uh, here with less than a month to go in the scheduled legislative session local governments are pushing for the state to uh, boost its contribution back to their local efforts yes absolutely the uh, the fund when the the income tax was introduced back in 1969 a deal was cut with municipalities to spend to send about 10 percent of revenues to local governments for their own use. And over the years, that amount has been diminished. It's around 6% of state revenues go to uh, local governments now. And the local governments are saying that's not nearly enough. They need more money from the state. Uh, the administration has countered that, you know, uh, there are other ways that municipalities are getting money. For example, Governor Pritzker's administration says that by closing tax loopholes, they'll send about $228 million to municipalities in this year's budget. Um, but at the same time, the, the administration is proposing a 10% reduction in the amount that co goes to that local fund, uh, and that would be about $120 million of lost revenue for municipalities across the state. This is a quiet but important battle that's happening in the legislature right now as we start counting down the days to the end of May expiration of the term. Keep a close eye on that one. David, only about a minute left. We do want to talk about uh, an important initiative uh, as you were seeking to expand uh, the BGA's journalism reach uh, to newsrooms around the state. Tell us about the uh, the big uh, award you just recently gotten to uh, to help that effort. Right. We've received a commitment of $1.4 million over three years from the Richard A. Driehaus Foundation to expand our reporting resources to cover municipalities across the state, especially in cities that have seen diminished reporting resources that no longer have the ability to do enterprising or investigative reporting. Springfield is one of those communities, and we expect to be able to provide reporting resources to the State Journal Register uh, and other partners across the state in order to do investigative and solutions-based journalism. Really a great initiative. And uh, hey, if you want to throw a few bucks this way, we, we, we wouldn't turn it down. But we're, uh, we're, throwing, we're throwing people, not money your way. But having reporters help out uh, is a good thing, I think, Jim. Absolutely. David Grison, <laughs> president and CEO of the BGA. Thanks for joining us. Tell people how to reach you the rest of the week. I'm at dgreising at bettergov.org. That's D-G-R-E-I-S-I-N-G at bettergov.org. Uh,